Blog Talk Radio. This is psychic medium Erica Bucerhaney, and you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. Stay parafabulous. Hi, this is Dana Workman from Haunted Highway on Sci-Fi, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Boom. This is Bill Murphy of Sci-Fi Channel's Fact or Fake Paranormal Files, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hey everybody, this is Rex Williams, the medic from Destination Truth, and you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia, on LiveParanormal.com. This is True TV's haunting evidence investigator, Patrick Burns. And ghost huntress author, Marley Gibson. And you're you're listening listening to ghost host, host, Sophia Temporelli. And Michael Perry. And we're here... Hello, we're here at the Ghost Host with Sophia Temporelli and Weekly Paranormal.com. Weekly, weekly at LiveParanormal.com. <laughs> this is Stefan Brigatti from Pacific Coast Paranormal, and you're listening to the Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. She rocks. This is Christopher Sanders with My Ghost Story on Biography. You are listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hi, this is Professor Lloyd Auerbach, parapsychologist, and you're listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. This is author Alexandra Holzer, and you're listening to ghost host Sophia Temporelli. Hi, this is Jeff Belanger, host of 30 Odd Minutes, founder of GhostVillage.com, and author of lots of your favorite paranormal books, and you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia, on LiveParanormal.com. Boo! This is Nick Groff, executive producer of Ghost Adventures, the original documentary in Ghost Adventures, season 1 through 10, and executive producer of Ghost Stalkers, author of Chasing Spirits, the building of the Ghost Adventures crew, and founder of NickGroffTours.com. You are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. Tune in. Hey, this is Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporilli, on LiveParanormal.com. That's right. It's the ghost host show with Sophia Sophia Temporilli on LiveParanormal.com. And congratulations, Sophia, on celebrating over 12 years of broadcasting here on LiveParanormal.com. And now on GhostHunting.com. And Spreaker has been added, too, uh, recently, too, as well. So congratulations, our new Spreaker audience. Thank you, Rob Serrett, the site founder, for providing this format each and every week, and all of our moderators. Thank you guys throughout the years for patching us through at live events. We had no Internet speed. Thank you guys so much. Feel free to call into the show, 347-202-0316. That's 347-202-0316 as well. Feel free to jump into the liveparanormal.com chat room 
And uh, any questions for our guests, make sure that they're all caps. It only takes you a second to uh, get an avatar, and you're part of the LP family in the chat room. Today we welcome back renowned Ghost Adventures writer, ghostvillage.com founder, 30-odd minutes host, New England's legends host, Selvice historian, legend tripper, adventurer, ghost hunter, best-selling author, lecturer, broadcaster, Jeff Belanger. Everyone visit jeffbelanger.com, Facebook Exploring Legends, Twitter and Instagram, at the Jeff Belanger at Exploring Legends. YouTube, subscribe, Jeff Belanger. Jeff will be promoting his new book, The Fright Before Christmas, Surviving Krampus, and Other Yuletide Monsters, Witches, and Ghosts. Get your copy or as a great holiday gift for loved ones through Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or wherever books are sold. Upcoming next weekend, we have the Haunted Lodge documentary producers Kendall and Vera Welpton will be on the program. That's the 18th. You don't want to miss any of these upcoming shows. We have other people that are securing their guest spots as we speak. So like the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, Facebook fan page to learn of the guest as we learn of them real time. And check out the membership packages. They start as low as $2.99 a month here on Live Paranormal. And Rob Sarek, he's great at rewarding the audience. So a lot of great books by some of your favorite paranormal authors are given away. And also support the vendors here. So if you're getting a mail meter for Grandma for uh, Christmas, make sure you do it here on Live Paranormal. And as well, tonight we have, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, Beyond the Screen and Ghost Light Radio, as well as monthly Mondays right here, Chip Coffee of Annie's Paranormal State, Psychic Kids, Kindred Spirits. He's here monthly on Mondays, as well as Ben Hansen, Amy Goodwin, David M. Roundtree, Stefan Brigatti, Andy and Michelle Coppett, King Gerhard, and many more. If you miss anything, archive shows are available on the homepage of Live Paranormal. It's free MP4 iTunes downloads. And let's bring on the host here, Sophia. Congratulations on 12 years of broadcasting here. Thank you. I can't believe it's already been 12 years. Yeah, you're doing a fantastic job. You've helped a lot of families through years. You have some new videos up there on your YouTube and everything people could check out. But how cool is Jeff's book and thank him, too, I mean, for – yeah, it's wonderful. That copy that he sent us, it's an exquisite book visually, too, as well as his content. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jeff's book came out amazing. The cover is super cool and intriguing. It's so well designed. It actually comes with its own bookmark. Um, definitely one of the most high-quality books I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So everyone check it out, Amazon, wherever your books are sold. Check out the book. But you, you have all these things. you got the Twitter, the Instagram, all these things. Where can people find you? I'm on Twitter, at Sophia Temporelli with one L, and Instagram, just at Sophia Temporelli. Yeah, we cursed you with a long name. Drop an L, and you'll be able to find Sophia. And tell us about your guest, Sophia. Today, we welcome renowned Ghost Adventures writer, ghostvillage.com founder, 30-odd minutes host, New England's legend host, televised historian, ghost hunter, best-selling author, lecturer, Jeff Blanger. Jeff will be on promoting his new book, The Fright Before Christmas, Surviving Krampus and Other Yuletide Monsters, Witches, and Ghosts. Get your copy or as a great holiday gift for your loved ones through Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or wherever your favorite books are sold. Everyone visit JeffBlanger.com barnesandnoble.com, too, for his book. Facebook, Exploring Legends, Twitter, Instagram, at the Jeff Blanger, Exploring Legends, and YouTube, you can also just search up Jeff Blanger. Let's welcome him into the show. Yeah, hey, everybody. Come on. Congratulations. Hey, congratulations to you. 12 years. My goodness, you weren't even paying taxes when this show started. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while, but thank you so much for coming on today, and congratulations on your book. And also, thank you for sending yeah. it. It's such an amazing book, and really, I mean, it was super well constructed. Thanks. Yeah, no, I'm excited about it. I, I figure I've uh, I've I've been lurking around Halloween long enough. Time to take on a new holiday. <laughs> well, Christmas is a good one to take on. I know a lot of people in the paranormal are like, no, it's too early for Christmas stuff. And I'm sitting here with my Christmas tree up in my room. I'm like, oh, cool. That's interesting. No, I'm here to tell you, Halloween is only the warm-up act. If you like Halloween because it's spooky and scary, that's great. I agree with you. Uh, but Christmas is by far, hands down, the most frightening holiday of the year. Halloween isn't even a close second. It is second, but it's a distant, distant second. If you're really into scary stuff, I assure you, Christmas is your time of year. I know all those family meetups; those are pretty scary. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. The arguments with uh, with relatives you only see once a year, all that stuff is is, uh, is only fodder for the monsters that are going to be hunting us down. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting if you think about the year as like a wheel. You know, um, the, the most mm-hmm. the four biggest holidays around the world, really are winter, spring, summer, and fall. And then halfway between them are the half holidays, and those are the secondary holidays. So Halloween, or Samhain, the Celtic New Year, is a half holiday halfway between the, you know, the, the fall equinox and the winter solstice. It's like the sun setting on the year, but the winter solstice is when it's the longest night, the, the shortest day. It's cold. Winter's coming. It is the most frightening day of the year because we know if we live up here in northern climates that winter's coming and it's a dangerous season yeah i live in california so for me it's the most exciting season i actually get to wear something that's not shorts all year round <laughs> it's 72 today <laughs> yeah oh my goodness. i know it's like 82 today it's gonna be warming up but uh yeah that's as true. a californian uh it's it's exciting i actually get to wear different clothes um, but, I mean, it is amazing just the in-depth you go into really the history behind Christmas. Um, I know in the beginning of the book you actually credit this to your mother. Is she what inspired the book, or was it, as you said, just always a love for Halloween and deciding to take on a different holiday? No. So, I mean, I grew up Christmas was a very big deal in my house. Mom went nuts, and we didn't have a lot of money, but she would wrap up anything. I mean, we would have, we would have so many presents because it would be like socks. And here's your favorite, like, Jello. You know what I mean? Like, so, so we had lots of stuff, but it wasn't, you know, necessarily expensive stuff. And, uh, and so I, I, Christmas was always just a, a special, magical time of year. That was instilled in me from a young age. And then as I got older, uh, I, you know, I fell in love with Halloween. I'm a paranormal person. You know, I, I love the ghosts and I love the haunted stuff. And Halloween, we get center stage. And for years now, as, just as you, you, you know, I mean, around October, you get asked to do a lot of media appearances. You get asked to give talks. And mm-hmm. we're, we're wildly popular in October. And then November 1st comes and it's crickets. Um, I think that's changing a little bit. But then, anyway, it was, it was probably like 10 years ago, and someone asked me to give a talk on Krampus, uh, which is a, a Christmas monster. And I said, you know, I've sort of heard about him, but I don't know much about him. And I started looking into it, and I went, oh, this is amazing. And so I started going down this rabbit hole. And then, you know, it, it all sort of came together when I was putting up my holiday lights early one December. Now, I live in Massachusetts. 72 is like a hot summer day around here. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. it, it, it gets cold. We get frigid and, and snowstorms and things. And so it was really cold, and I was putting up the wreath on my front door, and I, I, my fingers were getting numb. They weren't working right because it's just so cold out, and, and the lights, Christmas lights aren't working. And I was just like humbugging the whole thing and then asking, well, why do, why do we do all this anyway? 
And I'm the kind of person that, you know, once I get a question in my head, it keeps gnawing at me and not, you know, just gnawing away. And so I started mm-hmm. going down this rabbit hole and going, oh, my God, like this, this holiday is frightening. There's so many. I mean, Krampus is just I mean, he's the most famous because he has movie deals. Right. I mean, that's 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 Krampus. I think a lot of people know about him. He comes on December 5th. He's a, a horned devil that comes to snatch up naughty children and drag them away. But he's not alone at all. And then I started asking, you know, why Santa Claus? Why December 25th? Why, why Christmas? Why all this stuff? And I kind of pick up, picked apart the holiday, broke it down to all its original pieces. And when I put it back together again, I was like, wow, I actually really like this holiday even more when I understand what it means, that it's actually really yeah. inclusive, that it's meant for all people, not just Christians. Um, and and it, it was eye-opening. Yeah, it's amazing just, you know, how far back traditions go and how they change over time. Um, I know my mom was reading the book as well, and she was really interested in how you're writing that Christmas and Christianity really didn't take root until much later than we all think in America and around the world. Way later. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, we're talking like the 1980s, <laughs> by the way. Like, like, I mean, so so Christianity has been at war with Christmas from about 336 until like roughly the 1980s. 1980s, right? Decades ago, just a few decades ago. And and the reason for that is because they knew the holiday was always really pagan. I remember being a kid and and I was uh, I was raised Catholic and I was in mm-hmm. our church hall and Santa Claus came in one December. And I looked at our priest, Father Lawler, and that he was a tough guy anyway, but like he looked at Santa like he wanted to just beat him up. And I remember thinking, like, why? Santa's the most amazing person ever, and he's here, and oh, my gosh, and why would you be so mad at him? It's because he knew. He was old school, right? He was just like, this isn't what the holiday's supposed to be about, and on and on and on. I mean, Christians literally banned Christmas for years in England and in the United States. Uh, the Puritans, they, they said, this is you can't make merry, you can't drink and feast, you can't dress fine, you can't you know, give gifts, because this is pagan. This is about the winter solstice. It's about Yule. It's about Saturnalia. And, and uh, it's, it's, you're not acting very Christian when you go out and drink to excess and, and eat too much and all this other stuff. And so they were pretty much trying to squash down these traditions that go back thousands of years before Jesus and so on. And, um, and then eventually around the 1980s, I think they sort of gave up and said, well, we'll just say it's ours. <laughs> and that's where they've sort of sat ever since. And I'm not begrudging Christians. By all means, you can celebrate Jesus' birthday any day you want. But if you read the Bible... Mm-hmm. Uh, which his birth gets very little ink in the Bible because it's not that important. And, and I don't, I mean, it, everyone's born. It's not, that's not what defines Christianity. The Easter holiday is what defines Christianity, the, the death and resurrection. Being born, eh. And Jesus was born a commoner. And commoners, you didn't track your birthday. Only nobles, only kings did that. So, so really, his birth story, the only clue we get is that it said, you know, um, uh, shepherds lay out with their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared before him in, in Luke chapter 4. And in Bethlehem, that region, shepherds would stay out all night long in three seasons of the year, but not winter. <laughs> so that's the only one we can rule out if you believe the Bible. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely amazing um, just hearing your experiences with Catholic school. Um, I went to Catholic school, too, and definitely in that amount of time from the 1980s to there early 2000s, I mean, the the change in how Catholic schools really looked at Christmas. Yeah, yeah, because it, it, was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was just like a thing they tolerated. And then, um, actually, I mean, for the longest time, they hated it, but then they tolerated it, and then someone just decided, like, let's just claim it's ours and has always been ours. And so their, their PR machine got to work, and 
they said, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. And, and it can be, truly. Like, I mean, you're, you can celebrate his birthday anytime you want. December 25th is just as good a day as any other. Um, but that's not what it was about. It was, it's a, it's a millennia-old effort to uh, Christianize pagan holidays. Yeah, I mean, it's really fascinating just looking at stuff like this, um, and especially, you know, talking about just the transformation um, in terms of, say, Lilith um, and, and where her origins were. I can't remember the exact name you used for her um, in, in the roots, but it's just, you know, almost like telephone, how the just stories changed um, throughout different cultures, but also remain the same. Well, so there's so many traditions that have made it, and that's what's amazing to me, like the evergreen and the lights and, um, you, you know, the, the, the cakes and the gifts and the cooking and, and all that stuff, like the, the parties. Those go back long, long – I mean, those go back long before the time of Jesus. They go back, you know, many centuries before. Um, and I think it's amazing that if you follow the thread that they did survive, and we do keep bringing them around. And, and Christmas is one of these amazing holidays that you get to define yourself every year. You can – pick up new traditions that work for you. You can drop old ones that don't. Mm-hmm. You're, you're allowed to define it however you want, however it works for you and your family. And it's always sort of been this like packaged nostalgia, but there's an undertone to it. Uh, and, you know, you, you softies in California can't understand this until you've shoveled <laughs> th- three feet of snow, you know, in a blizzard and, you know, you're out there with, with snot freezing to your face, literally. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, like you, you realize that this is the season – winter is what you have to survive you know you live in spring summer and fall but we we set out to survive the winter and that is uh you you can't say enough about that about that's that's the the basis behind this holiday and so we have parties and we give each other gifts because i know i might need you right you, you my roof could collapse mm-hmm. and i might have to come to your house and say hey i need shelter and you'll take me in because you know i'd do the same for you and and so we light lights to light up the dark night and we we put up evergreens because those that's the only tree more powerful than winter. It's the only thing winter can't kill. And when you understand some of these traditions and you realize, like, yeah, I do want to keep bad cheer and bad spirits out of my home. I mean, okay, I'm down now. I'm down now to put up the evergreens and the wreath and so on. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, too, just, you know, when you really look at the cultures and stuff, um, the different – just traditions of keeping evil out. I know that I had learned of a few in the more recent years um, surrounding like New Year's and stuff where it was like, don't wash your clothes like uh, on New Year's Day or something because that's, <laughs> it, it was it was like really strange and then yeah. sweep your whole house the night before to get rid of all of the bad energy and then there's um, the Latin American ones like eat grapes under a table to find love or something. <laughs> really yeah, strange. right. Yeah. So just all of these different traditions throughout the world that you don't necessarily think of or hear of, and then you hear it, and now I'm not going to wash clothes on New Year's Day because it was like if you do that, someone, uh, one of your loved ones will die. And I'm like, I don't know if I believe it or not, but I'm not going to chance it. <laughs> right, and and you know who who wouldn't want to take a day off of laundry anyway? Um, but I, there, like I heard one, and I love this one. I didn't put it in the book because I didn't know where to put it. But someone said, "Did you ever hear on Christmas Eve your pets can, are allowed to talk for like one minute at midnight? Like they can they can speak English." And uh, I'm like, "That's amazing." I, I <laughs> oh, I don't want to hear what my dog has to say. 
I, I can't confirm or deny if this is true. I just something I heard, and I thought it was sort of funny. And and uh, so yeah, I mean, there's there's a million little traditions. You know, um, eat pork on on New Year's, uh, but not if you're Muslim, obviously. Like there, there's all sorts yeah. of uh, traditions that come from different cultures, and and you and we're, because we live in this melting pot, we're allowed to take the pieces we want. Yeah, for sure. I have two chihuahuas, though, so if they have anything to say for a minute, they're going outside for that minute because whatever <laughs> they have to say is but they can speak English, <laughs> probably so. scar me. It's probably going to scar <laughs> me if I hear what a chihuahua has to say. That's fair. That's totally fair. Yeah. The Labradors, sure, fine. But the chihuahuas, no. Yeah. Our, <laughs> one of our chihuahuas' names is Lily, and uh, when we were reading the part about Lilith the demon, we were like, yep, no, that sounds about right. <laughs> Checks out, right? <laughs> <laughs> like that sounds pretty good um but yeah it's just amazing you know how much of our culture is rooted in pagan holidays and stuff um and and just how it it goes um i remember i watched a drunk history actually on halloween and they were saying on that drunk history episode that uh halloween started because a woman was tired of like hell's night where all the kids came out and basically terrorized everyone so she designated sort of like uh, kind of like a field day or uh, like a trunk for treats so the kids would have something to occupy themselves so they wouldn't be destroying her vegetable garden. Yeah, well I mean so so Halloween, Samhain is the Celtic New Year and it's it's um it's a festival, it's a time they believe the veil between the world of the living and world of the dead is at its thinnest that ghosts can come into our world and meddle in our affairs so we leave out food offerings for the dead, we we dress up our children as the monsters that we're afraid of so they don't get dragged back down into the underworld. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. And then the Irish culture, yeah, it was mischief night. And then you, you pull pranks and you blame the ghosts. But in the United States, uh, the, that mischief was getting really um, destructive. You know, people were breaking windows and things. And so civic groups organized in the 20s and 30s and said, hey, let's, let's you know, give these kids candy in exchange for not messing with our business. And so trick or treat was really just extortion, <laughs> you know, the, the, the second oldest profession in the world. And, uh, and, and it sort of caught on as this thing. So instead of, like, blaming the ghosts and doing destructive pranks, you could become them and get a treat for going door to door. And, and you're, you're still carrying on a tradition that goes back, you know, way before Christianity. Then Christianity got their hands on it and called it All Hallows' Eve or Halloween, uh, a night before All Souls' Day, All Saints' Day, and, and then Dia de los Mortos and yeah. all this, you know, this other stuff. And so it yeah. became a time for the dead in a way for us to um, to sort of celebrate those things, but also it also got Christianized, just like Christmas, just like Easter. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting that it roots back to the Irish. That explains my dad a lot. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I read his yearbook uh, from high school, so I can see why they would want to keep the kids at bay. So <laughs> definitely makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really is just fascinating, um, seeing the history behind everything. Um, and for the people who want to know, um, just more about Krampus in and of itself, as you were saying, he shows up on December 5th, but what do you think kind of made him in the more recent years become popular? Um, not just with the movie, but do you think it's a change in the way that culture looks at these holidays? Well, I, so I think all these monsters are coming back. Um, you know, Krampus, mm -hmm. Krampus is the most famous. He had the movie deal that that movie came out. Um, 
uh, came out in 2015, and, and I liked it. I thought they, they nailed the spirit of what Krampus is, but Krampus comes from Austria and Germany, and uh, he, he's, he's been around for really centuries, but he got wildly popular in the late uh, 1800s. People had, would give each other Krampus cards instead of Christmas cards, and the whole notion was he was the consequence. He was the monster that was going to come down from the hills, snatch up your naughty children, and take them away. And Krampus is not the enemy of Santa, Santa uh, Saint Nicholas. He's not the anti Saint Nicholas. Nicholas. He, yeah, he's a he's a cohort, right? They're partners. These, this is good cop, mm-hmm. bad cop. So Saint Nicholas could keep his hands clean, and Krampus would do all the dirty work. You know, would snatch up the naughty children, whip them if they're bad. But if they're beyond uh, saving, then they get dragged back to the mountain lair and they're killed. <laughs> which is amazing. When I was young, they're like, oh, you're going to get coal and sticks in your stocking. Oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> how, about, how about if your parents mm-hmm. told you Krampus is going to come and you could die, <laughs> right? It would be a completely different motivator, I think, for naughty children. And so he was wildly popular, but he got pushed into the back into the shadows. And I would argue that he was never completely out of sight. I mean, if you remember... Uh, it was well. You don't remember 1957. Neither do I. But in 1957, <laughs> Dr. Seuss wrote How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and and the Grinch, come on, he's covered in fur. He lives up in the mountains. He's, he doesn't have horns, yeah. but his little furry bit at the top there will, will look like a horn. And uh, and I'm like, that's Krampus. That's just a a you know mm-hmm. a facsimile of Krampus. And I think he's coming back because, you know, first of all, there's Krampus runs and things like that. And then the internet started passing around these stories and everyone went, well, that's kind of fun, you know, celebrating the darker side of this, this holiday and the consequence. So Krampus came back, but he's not alone. I mean, there's Belschnickel and there's Grilla and there's all these other monsters that thanks to how interconnected all of our cultures are now, we're hearing about them. And, you know, we, our culture works the same as any other. If something sounds fun, if it looks interesting, we want it too. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. suddenly there's, there's Krampus runs, um, there's Krampus festivals. I've attended multiple Krampus balls here in New England where they, wow. they have a, in early December. They every, I mean, the, the first one I went to, there was like 30 people dressed up as Krampus. And I don't mean they, they, they spent like five minutes doing makeup. I mean, these were cosplay quality you know, costumes that I was incredible, um, all the various versions of Krampus. And, and I thought it was just amazing. So I think, I think as a culture, we're, we're pulling back what, what this holiday was always about, which is like darkness and consequence and, and making sure we check our moral compass, uh, before we hunker down here for the winter. Absolutely. And it's interesting too, with, um, Krampus, cause I, it, it wasn't Krampus, but I, I know my mom has this like little, like metal statue of it's supposed to be like a child oh, eater child, of like Bryn or something. Yeah, the child eater of Bryn, yeah, yeah in Switzerland. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, and right. it's just interesting yeah. to kind of see that um not in context of Christmas. Um I remember my mom had it and I'm like, why do you want that? She's like, it's cool. I'm like, Mom it's really weird. But there's so many child eaters. I mean, that's uh, so Grilla in in Iceland is is an ogress. She's a troll like ogress, you know, with 13 tails and she lives in the mountains. And and she now now unlike Krampus, Krampus looks for naughty kids. But but Grilla, she doesn't discriminate any kids, Mm -hmm. any kids that are caught outside. And in that part of the world, you have to realize around the winter solstice, like in Reykjavik, there's about four hours of sunlight. Uh, on the winter solstice. That's it, right? The sun is set for 20 hours a day, uh, and you only get a little peak of it. And it, it's a long, dark night. 
if your kids get caught outside, um, it's deadly out there. I mean, it's cold. You could die of exposure or maybe monsters. Or does it matter? You know, so you tell your kids, mm-hmm. this is the time we stay inside because there are monsters out there hunting you. And so they serve us, these, these various creatures. And, and then I started thinking, too, about you know, the Christmas holiday. Everything we know on how we're supposed to feel about it, not how you're supposed to celebrate it, but how it's supposed to make you feel, was really taught to us in one of the greatest ghost stories that's ever been penned by anyone, right? I mean, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol taught us how the holiday is supposed to make us feel, that we're supposed to face our demons, our ghosts, our own past, and in doing so, we could change. You know, we could change overnight, and that's the promise of the holiday. But you can only change if you go through something scary, if you go through some, some trial like Scrooge did. And that's, that's the moral of the story. You know, the trial we're going to face is Christmas, is, is having a lot of time on our hands, is being you know, locked inside during snowstorms and worrying if we have enough food or, or fuel to burn and things like that. That's the thing. We, 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 have, to, we have to deal with, with our, what's inside of our heads. And it's really, really scary when you think about it that way. But, but, we, but we can come out of it on the other side and we can come out better. We have a chance to be renewed, but only, only if we face the monsters. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of, too, just um, in terms of, like, the way people view it, I was trying to think of what it was because it had been so long, but um, Gorilla is actually um, mentioned in the Netflix show, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, I believe, for their yep. winter solstice episode. So yeah. it's interesting, too, because as you're mentioning this stuff, I'm remembering the, the times I have seen it in pop culture that isn't movies, such as Krampus was in an episode of the CW's Legacies, uh, where yep. he's fighting Santa. That was definitely an interesting take on it. But, yeah, it's I think just more people having an interest in the paranormal and stuff, um, because I've learned so much about myths and legends, really a lot of it through scripted shows that um, take those legends and really incorporate it, such as, you know, the Japanese Oni or, you know, Gorilla, and, and being able to see really where these stories come from, that they're not just out of the minds of the writers, but also no. rooted in space, whether it's true or just a legend, it's rooted somewhere from some story long ago. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if you've ever seen the, the show The Office, right? I mean, there was a Christmas episode where Dwight Schrute played Belschnickel. He was covered in fur and he had a mm-hmm. switch of sticks. And um, the Netflix show uh, Christmas Chronicles 2 uh, with Goldie Hawn and um, – uh, her husband there. Come on. Uh, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Thank you so much. So they were playing Mr. and Mrs. Claus. The the bad guy, the you know the antagonist in the movie was called Belschnickel. It was a young kid, you know, with with black hair and a black jacket. And the Yule cat from also from Iceland uh, was his one of his like cohorts. And I was like, these characters are coming back. Like they're starting. Like you said, they're popping up in cartoons and in TV shows and. And so that's how it starts. You know, I mean, uh, art reflects culture. Culture reflects art. It's this big, you know, uh, whirlwind thing that happens. And so I, I love the fact that these things are making a comeback because they, were, they never went away fully. But I think they're, they're starting to see a renaissance, and it's just getting bigger now every year. And so, uh, I mean, where my parents live, this little town in Connecticut, they have a Christmas parade, which is not unusual. Many, many mm-hmm. towns have a Christmas parade. But last year, um, the, there was a Krampus walking in the parade. <laughs> and, and, you know, this is a tiny, 
tiny town New England, you know, and I, I, I couldn't love that anymore, you know, that, that, and some people are like, what is that? Why is that monstrous devil here? But then others were like, that's Krampus. This is great. Hey, can I get a selfie, Krampus? <laughs> right? <laughs> and so suddenly, like, th- th- this year, maybe there'll be two or three of them, you know, it's, it's catching on. Yeah, it it really is. I love seeing just the change in really the acceptance of the supernatural over the years. Um, as you said, you went to Catholic school, and I went to Catholic school too. And the way that the reaction with my peers went from Catholic school to high school, um, and the acceptance of it, whether it's through scripted shows showing it and people having interest in diving deeper or experiences of their own, just the way that the world views have changed to make things more acceptable and the interest in these histories and kind of these facts of what is the afterlife or what's true or what's not is great to see. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, I think too, that the, you know, I mean, what is a ghost to, right? I mean, what is, what is the paranormal? What is the supernatural? It's, it's a connection. I think that the, it's most basic level. It's a connection to our past and all of us are, are a byproduct of not just who raised us, but where we grew up and what we were exposed to. And so, you know, you can thank your parents for lots of, you know, lots of your beliefs, but it's not entirely. I mean, there's, there's other things, too. And so when, when these, these stories, myths and legends and, and these ghosts stick around because collectively we keep them around, right? It's not, it's, you don't just see a movie and suddenly adopt some monster, right? You don't have like a, a stuffed, well, maybe you do, <laughs> Jason from Friday the 13th, right? <laughs> you know, but uh, – you don't just see like a fictional movie and say, oh, yeah, that's my new belief system. It, it's something has to sound a little bit familiar. It's got to speak to something very primal. And these, these legends and stories that go back centuries do that automatically because there's something familiar about them. When I saw The Grinch, I didn't know. I just liked him. I liked Dr. Seuss, you know, but I liked the cartoon and I liked the various movie versions I saw of it. But maybe there was something in my literal DNA that knew The Grinch was a little bit familiar, that if I went back further – you know, uh, my, my great-grandparents might have known about Krampus, you know, and, and so I think that that's, that's sort of what, what's happening here is we're, we're seeing this renaissance that never really went away. Absolutely, and it really does just go back to family so much. Um, like, my dad just found his birth family. Um, he's adopted, and we're seeing so many similarities from someone who didn't raise my dad to my dad and I, and so, like you're saying, it can be just this unknown, unspoken connection that goes way further back um, to your ancestors um, with that whole nature versus nurture thing. It's, yeah. it's real. When you look at the similarities, my grandfather's a drummer. Yeah, my we're dad's all drummers. A drummer. And <laughs> it's like, it's really strange <laughs> just son's a how much the, the DNA really connects people through time, even with stuff that you may have never known about with your family. So what was that like? What was that like learning about this this whole new, you know, blood relative that relatives that you've never met or hadn't met before? Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> kind of strange because, yeah, you, you always kind of wonder. But then, you know, um, yeah, I've I've always known my adoptive uh, family side and everything. And then, yeah, just uh, this is like six months ago. Yeah, just out of nowhere through DNA technology. And then all, all the parallels exactly and similarities. Like yeah, so, so, <laughs> like so I mean, was that was he's actually him, famous you, up in Big Bear? Oh, go did ahead. you meet them? Have Have you met them? The, the, Not yet. The, We're the, planning the, something. Yeah, because uh, my sister lives out in Vegas, and then she's gonna come out, and and they're planning up a Airbnb and everything by us, and we're all meeting up. 
Wow, that's amazing. And and what a and of course, like the the people who raised you loved you, and those are your parents. You know, I mean, of course. And um, but but this is this is your DNA. <laughs> you know, there's something there too. Yeah. And and yeah. Uh, that's that, that's got to be mind blowing for sure. And for you, Sophie. Oh yeah. You know, like, suddenly, like <laughs> it's whoa, definitely weird. The, the family tree just turned into a forest. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah no, I have so a lot weird. of little cousins, so. They they just have to like learn my name and my mom and dad's, but they have like a ton of children, so we're we're still navigating it. Yeah. Um, but it's weird. Like my my dad and my grandfather have the exact same smile, and like my dad has gaps in his teeth, my grandfather has the exact same gaps. <laughs> um, so it's it's pretty funny, but you can see. Just, yeah, he was in an know. Elvis movie, and we just saw it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's in an Elvis movie? That's bragging rights yeah. for life. Like yeah, yeah, that's so funny. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and so, yeah. Go ahead. He's good friends with Shirley Jones too, which we thought was funny because she was on Celebrity Ghost Stories. Um, so just the connection where the paranormal is literally everywhere. There's always that six degree of separation with um someone who has a ghost story or someone knows someone. Of course, yeah, for sure. Well, I think too, you know, because paranormal's gotten so popular uh, in recent decades. We're allowed to talk about it more openly because when it's when it's in the culture, mm-hmm. when it's on TV and, and podcasts and radio and print and you know books and everything else, you, you can you it's an opening. Be like, wow, did you see that you know episode of Ghost Adventures last night? Like crazy. But you know what? I lived in a place sort of like that, or I've experienced something you know yeah. similar to what what that person was talking about, and it, and it gives us an opening to talk about really big stuff. That um, you know, when I when I was growing up, like you know, in the seventies and eighties, like you weren't really supposed to talk about that stuff. It was they'd look at you funny. They might lock you up. And now it's it's okay. It's okay to talk about it. They don't have to believe you, but you can talk about it. And I think that's uh, that's progress. Absolutely, especially with you living in Massachusetts too. I mean, you grew up around so much history and these homes oh, that yeah. really have been around forever. Um, I mean, that had to have inspired you so much with wanting to learn about history and, you know, the paranormal. Well, yeah. So, I mean, the town I grew up in, I, I grew up in Sandy Hook, Connecticut. And so I knew Ed and Lorraine Warren since I was like 13 years old. And back then, like, they were just local, like, weird celebrities. You know, it, they were not, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, they were on some talk shows and stuff, but they're way more famous today than they ever were when they were alive because of the movies. And yeah. back then, I mean, I remember going to their, their talks in the fall, you know, at libraries and stuff and, and hearing them speak about, you know, their research and their works. And, and, and that, it, it just intrigued me. And I guess my parents raised me like, yeah, I don't know. We don't have all the answers. I mean, sure, we go to, you know, we, we, we go to, we're Catholic, but it doesn't mean we know everything. And so let's just explore it. And so I was sort of allowed to, to talk about it. And then, yeah, old historic homes and Revolutionary War battle sites, you know, right near where we lived. And, so it was, it was, I guess it was all around me, and I just had a, a love for it from a young age because I always want to know why something happens or how it works. So if you tell me a building's mm-hmm. haunted, why, well, why is it haunted? That's the next question that's going to come up out of my mouth. And the only way to answer that is to go back in time, is to go backward and say, okay, well, who lived here? Who worked here? What was the building before? What, what was on the land before the building was constructed? And when you start to dig into those answers, you find a really incredible story. And and sometimes you get some insight into, you know, why something might be what it is. Absolutely. Um, I do know we have to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back to talk about more of your childhood and more of your interest in all things supernatural. Yeah, it's the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporary on LiveParanormal.com. This is one of those hours that just flies by. So 
Uh, everybody uh, pick up Jeff's book, The Fright Before Christmas, Surviving Krampus, and Other Yuletide Monsters, Witches, and Ghosts. Get your copy, and also a great gift for loved ones, too, as well, through Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or wherever books are sold. It's the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporelli. We'll be right back with a late edition of the show. Hi, this is Dustin Perry, the Paranormal Rockstar, and you're listening to The Ghost Host with the most, Sophia Temporelli, only on LiveParanormal.com. for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com. The only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporilli, on LiveParanormal.com. Not only am I Dave Schrader, but I'm Dave Schrader of Travel Channel's The Holzer Files, and you're listening to <laughs> Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. I feel left out. I wanted to throw myself into your mix of, of voiceovers now. <laughs> I love it. You know, uh, it's almost like we didn't leave break. I'm poor Dave trying to get back. I'm trying to unmute you guys right now. It usually means we have a lot of people tuned in. But, Jeff, yeah, really quickly, I was going to say, like, uh, when I was a kid, and speaking of my adoptive father, Dr. Luigi Temporelli, uh, he was born in Rome. We uh, Up until I was four, we spent Christmases in Rome, and there was the story of the Belfana, and she's a kitchen oh, witch. And so I remember yeah. as a kid on Christmas Eve, this is before I'm four years old, thinking, we got a witch coming to my grandparent, my, my Nona Nona's flat in the middle of the night. I remember just being freaked out. It was just one of those things. But she left me stuff, and that's, that's all that mattered. So so she she came at Christmas, or did she come on Epiphany? Uh, it was, uh, you know what, you might be right. I'm trying to, you know, it was before I was four years old, I thought she was the Christmas kitchen witch since. She is. But you're probably but, but she, right. But she, yeah, so she, I mean, traditionally in Italy, La Bafana shows up um, uh, on Epiphany, which is the, the last day of Christmas. And, and I, I spoke to some people that were born and raised in Italy and, and had the Bafana as part of their tradition. And, you know, like, so, so you got the big presents on Christmas Day, but the La Bafana would bring you, like, a couple of, like, little things. So it was, it was, it was pretty much like, like Toblerone, yeah, and it was like uh, the, the carpet. I remember they pointed, oh, look. So she swept during the night. So she must That's have right. come with a whisk broom and swept, and they showed me the trails of where, oh, look, she swept through here, you know? <laughs> it was like she cleans, which is, which is great. I, I wasn't raised – I'm not Italian. I wasn't raised with that tradition at all, but I would welcome anyone who wants to break into my house and clean it. So. Yeah, that's where it was like this is a there's a cool witch out there, so that broke yeah. the whole spell. But you know that'd be a good movie. Like what turned her into that, and you know that'd be something too. I so. could tell you if you want to know. 
Oh, it's, oh wanted, okay. So I, I have a chapter on her in my in my book. So so Bafana is uh, so there's two versions. The Christian backstory is that she was. Um, she, uh, when the when the three magi, the three wise men, were were searching for for baby Jesus, they you know were trying to find their way, and they they stopped at La Bafana's house and said, you know, we're, we're trying to find the the savior. And she's like, I don't know where to go, but I could offer you lodging for the night. And they were so impressed at how clean and how wonderful her house was, and they invited her to come with them to to go to go see the you know the savior and. Uh, she said she couldn't. She just had too much she had to do. And then they left, and she regretted it. And eventually had this epiphany yeah. and went searching. And to make up for it, would go around and go down people's houses. But, but realistically, she is also pagan. <laughs> she was the goddess Strenia like of Rome, Beth, the one beetle that never made it in. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. Right. Yeah. Just never, never quite one of the beetles. But so she's based on the goddess Strenia. So, so La Bafana is like an old hag of a woman, but uh, the goddess Strenia was beautiful and. Um, and she would come yeah. down on New Year's Day, and, and uh, they eventually turned her into La Bafana because she was too beautiful and alluring. So they made her old and a, and a hag and then Christianized her. But it, nursery, the tradition yeah. goes back. Yeah, but the tradition goes back. But, but La Bafana is one of the good ones. She doesn't, she doesn't kill children. So, you know, I don't mean to bore you with, <laughs> with, with, a, with a witch who doesn't kill kids. But, if you know, only she had known that at four. They're right. I know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you need, yeah, you need the just surprised me. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but it's cool. He used to read me the story when I was little. I didn't know it scared him though, so I mean that makes it a lot more fun. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. It's just interesting. Um, all those different traditions. My dad's, like I said, adopted. He's not a drop Italian, so <laughs> that's probably why she became it lots of fun. Out. All the little Irish children hi- hiding, pretending to be Italian. Right, right, right. Yeah, what did you grow up with, Sophia? Did you have any? Do you have any Christmas monsters? Did you have like the Tompton or anything like that, or Elf on the Shelf or anything? Um, I like to think that my Christmas monster was my parents telling me that they could hear the deers on the roof, and yep. I couldn't, and so I thought I was going insane or losing my hearing. Um, so I just like to think it was that because the gaslighting was through the roof. My dad's like, Oh, you, you hear that? You hear that? And I'm like, no. And he's like, Oh, I, no, no, no. I hear that. The deer. Well, remember I'm the like, bitten off carrots? Oh, and she got a DNA kiss one year and she got some of Santa's hair by the cookies and she was like analyzing the fibers and yeah. everything. There was boot That's prints in awesome. front of the fireplace, but the deers really stick with yeah. me because I was really upset. I couldn't hear them, but I wonder why that was dad. Why couldn't I hear them? So, because you got to be a grown-up, duh. Everyone knows that. Yeah, it's the reverse Polar Express. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'll, I'll back you up on this. That's uh, you got to be a grown, have grown-up ears to hear the deer. Or uh, um, the other tradition is my mom always let me open a present on New Year's, not New Year's Eve, Christmas Eve. Sure. Um, and my dad would be like, oh, you have to wait. And my mom said, no, she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> do it anyway. <laughs> no, those it's were ours. Yeah. I, I love that. And and every family's got its own like little traditions that, that go with the holiday or certain things that you would you know, times you would decorate or, or or specific decorations you would use or ornaments on your tree or whatever. And and I love that we get to create ritual every year. You know, so if something doesn't work for you, drop it. And if something you want to adopt that, that feels special to you, 
then do it. You know, um, that that's okay. You're allowed. This 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 holiday is malleable, and it's been evolving and changing and incorporating so many different beliefs, most of them pagan, uh, for thousands of years. And I think that's that's just awesome. You you can fight it and scream yeah. against it, or just or just kind of go with the flow and say, all right, then. Then, then fine. Then, then the Christmas tree is pagan, and the lights are pagan, and the the candles, and the cakes, and the cookies, and the drinks, and the eggnog are all you know pagan roots and Yule log. Okay. Um, so how great is it that we can we can incorporate all those various cultures and beliefs, bring them into the now, um, build on them, and then you know also celebrate whatever you want. It can be a completely secular holiday if you want, or it can be completely religious if you want. You're allowed. You're allowed to de- define it your way every single year. Absolutely. Right. And my mom reminded me, too, we used to make tamales um, when I was younger uh, with my grandma because yeah. my grandma's full-blooded Mexican, so we would do that every year. Um, and then she thought it was yeah. a lot of work, which it is a lot of work, so we stopped doing it at a certain point. Uh, yeah. But that's uh, what we would do, too. Uh, so, yeah, it's that's the thing I love about Christmas is just the family traditions. And like you said, how you grew up with it um, – it being so important to your mother and her allowing you to explore really where it originated from and your interest in the supernatural is so amazing and great um, because you're so knowledgeable. I mean, it's, it just amazes me how much, you know, on like each topic. I was just telling my parents, I'm like, he should go on Jeopardy if he hasn't been because you, <laughs> you know a lot. Paranormal Jeopardy would be great. I would clean up. Um, but yeah, I, th- oh, I think wow. definitely would. This is all I do, though. Like, so, so, I mean, I've been doing paranormal full-time for l- literally 19 years. It was, it was 2004 when I quit my normal job and went doing this full-time. And it's, it's, it's all I do. I love it. I'm, I'm blessed that I get to do this for a living, um, you know, working on ghost adventures and writing books and, and doing talks and, um, you know, my own shows and things like that and podcasting. It's it's such an amazing way to sort of look at the world and see how connected we are. And I've 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 learned so much. Like I don't really consider myself Catholic anymore. I've sort of left that behind. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, at a time I was angry at it for sure. Like when I was in college, I was bitter. But um, but then you know I was just like you know what? There's some good foundations that I got from it as well that that are part of me. And there's no way to shake that. Yeah. I mean, if you were raised in a religion. You, you can leave that religion as much as you want, but that's it's in your bones. You, can, you know, it's in it's in the luggage you carry. You can't fully wash it away, and you can fight that, or you could just sort of embrace it and say, "Well, okay, then this is who I am, and this is what part of what makes me who I am, and you know, part of my my background." But what how, what can I how, how can I build on that? And so, I went looking in the paranormal for my own answers because I'm just like, well. I'm supposed to have this feeling in church, you know, I'm supposed to be filled up with this, this spirit. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't quite getting there, but then I started going on ghost hunts and I'm in cemeteries at midnight and I'm in old haunted buildings and looking around and feeling something, you know, and going, Ooh, this is, I didn't get this in church. And, and, and I started saying, well, if there are ghosts and spirits, well, what does that mean for me? And how do I want to live my life? And how am I, how do I want to be remembered? And how do I want to treat my fellow human beings? And, you know, and sometimes when we're looking at haunted places and things like that, we look into like the literal darkest parts of humanity. You know, why is that building haunted? Because there was like six murders in there and you go, Mm -hmm. Oh, well, well, that's, that's scary. Like that, that, that someone snapped and, and did this horrible thing. And then you start to explore that a little bit and realize that, you know, maybe, maybe that, that 
monsters in all of us, and just some of us are better at keeping it at bay. And so when we start to look at these these stories, whether you want to call them metaphorical or literal, um, it, it really forces you to, to, to check yourself and, and take a good long look in the mirror and be like Scrooge, you know, and, and pray that we get haunted by our past, our present, and our future, and and, and take a look at what that could look like and, and make some adjustments uh, if, if we can, not just go to church and tune out, which is what I was doing by the time I was in high school. You know, you'd go to church and you'd literally just be, thank God there weren't phones back then because we would just be on them. <laughs> you know, like I, I can't even imagine yeah. what the, the priests deal with now. You're just like, ah, I'm going to play Candy Crush for the next hour. Let me know when it's over. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I don't know what my, my elementary school would have had to deal with because in high school, I didn't go to a Catholic high school, and I was like, ah, an Apple Watch, I could text through that. I didn't have one in high school, but I was like, if I got one, I you know, I could text, and then I could tell my mom when I want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. And, and it, it's it's funny, you know, everybody comes to the paranormal for for whatever, for as many reasons as there are people that are interested in it, whether it's a passing interest or you want to investigate or you want to, you know, see something for yourself. But I think there's an underlying, like, spiritual reason there, even if it's not at the top of your head, I think there's, there, we're, I think we're spiritual beings and we go looking for meaning. Uh, and some of us find it in church and good for you. There's a whole support system there. And some of us find it in haunted mm-hmm. buildings and looking for monsters in the woods and, and, um, you know, collecting these stories in this history. And, and I, I think about that now. And when I understand where I come from and where, you know, my culture comes from, then doing things has meaning. So when I put up my wreath now, and I, I haven't done it yet, it's too early, but um, but when I put up my wreath now, I understand that those prickly pine needles are meant to keep the bad spirits outside. And I want them outside. I want them to stay mm-hmm. out there, right? I mean, you, you know, it's tough for you to relate to this being in a, in a warm California climate, but, <laughs> you, you know, up here, all, all the leaves fall out of the tree. And around December, we start to hear sounds that you don't hear the rest of the year. And it sounds like yeah. shrieks. It sounds like screams. And that's, is it the wind just whipping through those naked skeletal trees? Or is that, you know, the vanquished spirits uh, running from the Norse god Odin, you know, who's, who's chasing them down? And, and it makes you a little bit afraid. And you know if you hear that sound, yeah. it's cold. And if you were outside, that would, it would literally bite you. And so we put these these pine needles up we put the evergreens up and we put the tree up as a reminder that there are things that are stronger than winter and we're going to need it we're going to need its help to get through wow absolutely um i mean the hour has gone by so fast jeff uh it is so interesting to hear your stories like i said i really admire just the effort and the knowledge you have within the paranormal and anything surrounding the supernatural. So I want to thank you again for coming on today and we'll have to have you back on soon because I definitely had so many more questions. And I, like I said, I love getting to hear all the history, you know. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me back. It's been a while. So I'm, uh, I'm glad to talk to you again. And uh, I, mean, I haven't been out in California in a little while, so I'll have to have to get out there again. So I'm going to drop some uh, sites for the book. I know JeffBelanger.com. Where, where would you prefer everybody get the book, or is there any deals or offerings? Oh, no, I don't. I think Amazon's got it on sale right now. But um, no, it's also available as an audiobook, and I narrated it. It was kind of cool to go to a recording studio and do that. So wherever you get your audiobooks, Audible or Apple or, or wherever else, and it's on Kindle. It's an ebook if you're interested in that. And it's uh, you know, get it wherever it works best for you. That's that's what works best for me.
Wow, amazing show, Jeff. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Great to be with you, you both. Come, you could come to California for a warm winter. <laughs> it would be weird to me. I don't think I could do it. I would miss the cold. I really would. I'm a four seasons kind of person, you know. I mean, I, I'd, I'd like I like a it. weekend getaway, but uh, but I, I mean, I'd be sad if it's not cold on Christmas. I get it. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. You have a great rest of your day. Thank well, you. Congratulations you on all your successes. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, fantastic right. show today, Sophia. Absolutely. Jeff is such a great guest. As always, we'll have to have him back on soon. I want to thank you all for listening. The show definitely would not be possible without all of you, and I'll talk to you guys again next week. Bye. Yeah, I want to remind everybody, too, the book, um, The Fright Before Christmas, Surviving Krampus and Other Yuletide Monsters, Witches and Ghosts. Get your copy, and it's a great gift for others. And I'm telling you, this is an exquisite book. It really, truly is. Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or wherever books are sold. Uh, everyone, next weekend, the Honey Lodge documentary producers Kendall and Vera Welton will be on the program the 18th. And also, too, I have it here. Here we have, oh, Gagnac Paranormal Investigators, Ron Yacovetti and Lourdes Gonzalez. They're actually on next weekend, the 11th, and Karen Dill and Vera are on the 18th. So it's a ghost of the show with Sophia Temporally on LiveParanormal.com. We'll see you next week. Hi, this is Debbie at Xeon Ghost Adventures. You're listening to The Ghost Host with your host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com. The only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.